0: Welcome to the Michigan Minds podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of
1: Michigan faculty. Welcome to Michigan Minds. I'm so glad that you're both here and I want to just jump right in. So could you each please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your role at the University of Michigan?
2: Sure, I'll go ahead and start. My name is Liz Kolb and I'm a Clinical Associate Professor in the School of Education at the University of Michigan. And I have the pleasure and privilege of being able to work with all of our pre-service teachers who are learning how to be K-12 teachers. And I work with them on how to integrate technology into their teaching.
0: And I'm Kristen Fanachero. I'm a clinical professor at the School of Information. Um, And both Liz and I um, began our journeys towards this by being classroom teachers ourselves and watching kids at work. So I mostly work with libraries and really thinking about how libraries are active agents for um, continuing lifelong learning, for being trusted information providers in their community. And we thought this was a great chance to sort of meet in that in-between space.
1: So I'm really glad that you both are able to join us today and thank you for taking the time. I'm really excited to talk about the U of M Digital Wellness Conference, which is welcoming sixth to eighth grade children and their parents or caregivers to learn and talk about healthy online behaviors. Can you talk a little bit more about that event and share some of the details? One of the things we realized is that during the pandemic,
0: we suddenly changed all the rules about how often kids were engaging with technology and in what way. And a lot of times in schools, there'll be a session for parents about healthy internet and there'll be a session for kids about healthy internet. And what we don't see are opportunities for parents and students to talk together about what does a healthy relationship with technology look like in their lives. This is really important because we now realize that children are engaging with each other in very healthy ways online. So I like to say my niece was going to fifth grade camp and she and her friends had a Zoom meeting for two hours while each of them in their own room packed to go to camp. That's a lot of time but it's a really beautiful way to socialize in a healthy way about a healthy objective. And I think that for all of us during the pandemic, we had our own moments of finding joy through technology, families that had talent shows or dance parties or quiz shows. And so it really has made us more aware that some of the old rules don't fit and maybe there are new ways to think about what it means to be healthy online. So what we will do is convene several um, sixth through eighth grade students with their parent or caregiver for a half day of lightly facilitated activities that make those conversations possible. We'll have a special guest speaker who is used to talking both with parents and with kids as a teacher herself. Her name's Diana Graber and I think Liz will talk about her a little bit later on. And We also will bring in our U of M students as interns, because they're sort of that nice in-between generation. They're not quite a kid anymore. They're not quite a parent yet. And so we think that that will be a really successful way to get those conversations happening in ways that are joyful and, and really build those connections between kids and parents.
1: That sounds so great. What led you to decide to host an event like this?
2: So, I think Kristen touched on some really important points that um, has led us to this point and this place. I myself have spent the last 10 years working on digital literacy and wellness issues in the local middle schools with my student teachers, my teaching interns. And one of the things that I have found is that the middle schoolers really like to talk about what they're doing online when it's in an environment that feels safe and non-judgmental, that they're not going to be scrutinized or punished for the choices that they're making online. Rather, they just want to be able to share what they're doing, why it's important to them, why it's meaningful in their lives, um, and also come to their own conclusions about, oh, maybe, maybe this choice that I'm making of having a completely open Uh, profile isn't safe, they want to be able to come to that conclusion and not be told that that's what they should be doing. So um, this event hopefully opens up those conversations with caregivers who may be doing a lot of telling about what they should and shouldn't be doing, rather than um, listening and trying to kind of meet in the middle and coming up with some Some ways to to work together in these environments so that it can be safe, but also recognizing that the students value these environments for their social lives and for other important purposes, and at the same time flipping that making sure that the students do understand. Um, issues around wellness so recognizing when they should be taking breaks from screens and devices and when they should be um Uh, making different choices about who to friend or who to follow or how to engage in conversations online. So I've learned a lot in working face-to-face with middle schoolers, and I've learned very much, and I know Kristen has too, that it really is important to bring that parent or caregiver into the conversation.
1: Why is information regarding digital wellness. So important for that middle school aged group. Is there a a reason that you chose that age category
2: to focus on with this event? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So Kristen and I chose this age group because um, the ages of kind of 10 to 13 is the average age right now of where students are getting their own personal devices, where they're starting to create profiles in social media, where they're starting to engage in more group text and conversations and using text messaging apps like, you know, WhatsApp or, um, you know, GroupMe. And it's also the time when they're starting to engage a lot more in online gaming with strangers and maybe people they don't know as well. Um, because in middle school you start to kind of open up your um, spectrum of uh, friends and people and, and you tend to start following and knowing uh, and, and and engaging with people that you've never met in person. So this is a beautiful time to start being proactive in these conversations and talking with students um, about how you set up a profile. Um, why 13 is the age that you're supposed to be when you um, engage in a profile. So why you might want not wanna set up an illegal profile um, and then who you choose to friend and follow. So this is the time when they're just starting in this environment. So it's a wonderful time to start having these conversations and for them to start recognizing the permanency of their digital identity and the choices that they're making online. Once you get to high school, it's not that it's too late, but it's that you're having to be a little more reactive. And in early elementary school, they're just not quite there yet. So a lot of the conversations are a little more difficult to have because it's a little bit more imaginary to them.
1: That's really fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. So as faculty at the School of Education and the School of Information at U of M, could you expand on the overlap or the relationship between these fields of education and information and talk about how these areas work together for digital communication and social media? Sure, so for those
0: who aren't familiar with the School of Information, we look broadly at the ways that people and technology and information fit together writ large. So on the more traditional end, we train people to be librarians and archivists, but we also now train people who deal with large-scale data sets or who might be looking at what tweaks to Facebook will result in uh, different outcomes for Facebook users. So way back in 1888, Melville Dewey, who most people know as the Dewey Decimal System, but who was really the man who made um, American librarianship a profession, said that he felt libraries were the lifelong learning extension of schools, that libraries took over where schools left off. So for me, having been a teacher, now being in the School of Information, it feels like it's a natural connection. And I think it gives us this ability to go back and forth where Liz's work in the School of Education is very much centered around the student and what the student engages with and how they engage with it. And on the School of Information side, looking more at the systems that support
1: or hinder these interactions. Thank you. Why is it important for parents and children to learn the information that you're going to share at this event?
0: It's important to recognize that in many ways, parents are first-generation citizens of the internet themselves. So sometimes what we find when we have conversations like this is that on one level, it's about children's healthy digital behavior, but we usually get some adults who are like, "Hmm, I never thought about that, or I never thought about what's the impact when I get my phone out and we're in the grocery line and my kid sees that you can't ever be idle. So I think there's that reflective piece for adults that's really important. But secondly, I think it's really critical that those conversations happen together, because one of the things I think that the pandemic did was rush us into a lot of decisions that we didn't have time to think about, about technology. Suddenly your kid was either online for school or didn't go to school, right? So the choices weren't very nuanced. And I think it's very easy for parents and children of this age to sort of be at loggerheads about what does it mean to be a teenager with agency? And what does it mean to be a member of your family and an active contributor to your family at a time when also your friend relationships are developing to be super important. And so the call to be online for those activities is so important. And I feel like what I've noticed during the pandemic is Oh, right, so I didn't realize my kid was doing that. Huh, okay, how do I feel about that? And I think that it's really useful to sort of have a chance to step out of the day-to-day grind and with lightly facilitated activities, let kids talk to kids, let parents talk to parents, have parents and kids talk together, to take a pause after two years and say, okay, going forward... What do we want to do to make this the richest experience it can be for everyone in our family?
1: So for those who can't make it to the symposium or for anyone who wants to learn more about healthy online behaviors, especially in this, you know, two years out of the start of the pandemic, like you were just mentioning, can you share any resources or support for children and their parents and
2: caregivers? Yes, we would be happy to. We are using in the symposium a book called Raising Humans in a Digital World, and it's by actually our our keynote speaker, Diana Graber, who's coming in. And what we like about Diana's book, and she also has a website with a lot of resources, is that she really focuses on this idea of conversations between parents and children and she also focuses on the idea of not making anything off limits but rather creating kind of um, structures around it so that students can still have agency and develop responsibility in a way that's kind of a safe space. So she has lots of practical activities and ideas to do and conversation starters um, to you. So it's a great resource, very practical. And then there's also this podcast that I personally love um, called Bored and Brilliant. I've used it with my own um, high school age daughter who has a phone. And um, the Bored and Brilliant podcast is just these very short snippets. They're anywhere from maybe four minutes to eight minutes. And they they challenge you to work on your tech addiction. So most people, including our young children, all the way through the adults and caregivers, we all have kind of some level of kind of tech addiction. So it encourages you to kind of think about it for a day in a unique way. So they will challenge you to maybe, you know, today, um, you know, don't don't send any text messages, just make phone calls. Or um, today you want to actually go through and document, you know, your screen time for certain things. Um, So they just challenge you to really think about in a very meta way what you're doing, and also ask you to kind of reflect on how you feel about that so those are fun challenges to do with your child, um, so that you can do it together and have a conversation. There's also um, a great resource called Get Digital Skills, um, which has a lot of activities around all sorts of different areas of digital wellness, as well as media literacy, which is I know Christians love. Um, and so uh, lots of different facets in that. And another thing that I love to do with middle schoolers are um, digital addiction quizzes, which are just a fun conversation starter. And I always do it with them. So I always um, encourage parents and caregivers, you know, rather than giving something to your child saying let's do it together and see what our scores are and discuss them and as a parent i always learn a lot red faced a little bit about my own addiction issues that i have to work on myself so another you know the goal really of all these resources are conversation starters
1: as we start to wrap up the podcast i like to ask every expert who comes on a question that ends up being quite difficult sometimes What is one thing that you hope everyone remembers or takes away with them from this conversation? I can start
0: that it's important that we look at the type of engagement. And so here's sort of three questions that we can ask ourselves as we are online. Um, Are we playing a passive or an active role? Are we, in other words, are we just taking in what someone else has created, but we're not creating ourselves? Is the engagement social or isolating? And finally, how do we feel? If we are jumping from outrageous social media story to outrageous social media story, we're gonna feel worse when we stop that engagement. Or do we feel empowered or calm or relaxed? all of which are emotions that will help
2: us in our offline life, not just in our online life. I just wanna add to what Kristen said and just add two things really. One is um, that it's important for for us to remember that what is a healthy habit for one student or parent may be an unhealthy habit for another. And so we wanna be careful about quickly judging um, what Uh, somebody is doing with their digital devices, what a a child is doing, uh, because that may actually be something that's healthy for them, even if that's something that as an adult, it feels unhealthy to me. So again, it goes back to all of those conversations and really digging in and asking your child, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Doing it with them is really important, as, as well. So we always talk about reading and we always encourage parents to read with their children. The same thing is true with digital devices. If your child's really into TikTok or Snapchat, do it with them, you know, even if it's not your thing, because it allows you to see the environment. It allows you to see what they're doing in there, how it works, uh, safety features and potential pitfalls, and you can really have some deep conversations. And then the second point is you know, caregivers. I'm talking to you, and I'm a parent myself of a of a high schooler. Um, make sure that you are modeling what you would like your child to be doing. So both verbally and physically. So one example is I always ask my children's permission before I post their picture online on my Facebook page. And I'll even put a little asterisk saying, posted with permission of my child's name. And that just teaching the child that they have a right to consent. Um, and that they should have control over their footprints. So, you know, parents, caregivers, we want to make sure we're modeling those good habits that we would like our children to be doing as well.
1: So many important points for us all to remember and uh, think about each day. Before we wrap up, is there anything else that either of you would like to share?
2: I have one thing I'd like to share about our symposium and Kristen already mentioned this a little bit, but we are having um, University of Michigan student interns as an integral part of the symposium. And that is, I think, a win win all around. One is they get to learn how to have these conversations and help facilitate them but also for our our students who are gonna be part of the symposium, our our younger learners, that they will see um, young adults that are a little bit more like them and a little bit more involved in uh, their world of gaming and social media, and they can talk to them about their experiences too. So it won't, it won't just be, you know, us older, older generation, uh, Gen X, I guess, that are, that are there.
0: And I would just say that if you're interested in learning more about the May 14th event, you can go to soe.umich.edu slash digital wellness. And for all registrants, we'll send you a copy of our keynote speaker's book, as well as some swag after the event.
1: How exciting. And we'll make sure that we link to the event in the show notes as well as in the article that will be posted on publicengagement.umich.edu as well as socialintegrity.umich.edu. Thank you both so much for taking the time to talk with us today and share some of the details of this really exciting event.
2: We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having us.
0: Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag
1: UMichImpact.